Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, my wife, and my life, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's a lot of titles. That's a lot of titles. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad everyone's here with us in our kitchen table. And we've got three really hot topics today. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've seen it. It creeped me out. I saw Heidi Klum and her 18-year-old daughter. Um, she has a lingerie line, the supermodel Heidi Klum does. And she's prancing around in her lingerie in what looks to be like an incestuous... Instagram shoot. Uh, It's creepy. We're going to dissect it a little bit for you um, and talk about that. Also, I saw the movie Blonde on Netflix. Um, As soon as I saw it, I came home and I said, I just saw the most pro-life movie I've ever seen. And turns out Planned Parenthood is fuming mad about it. So we're going to talk about that. It's about Marilyn Monroe. But before we go there, we're going to talk about Kanye West. Because as you all know, after the famous you know, viral Tucker Carlson interview, Kanye then took to Twitter and this is what he wrote on Twitter. He wrote, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Jewish people. The funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. Okay. I don't even know how to unpack that, but the point is that he got deplatformed, or I should say debanked, by Chase, um, JP, JP Morgan, Morgan Chase. Chase. Yeah. And that rose, raised a lot of red flags for me. Because, one, Sean, you have been predicting that this would happen for a long time. We saw it with the Canadian truckers. But why don't you maybe take us back a little bit to explain why this is so troubling for Americans in general. So first off, let's talk about free speech for a second. Then I'll talk to you about banking. Listen, I don't have to agree with what Kanye West said. And frankly, I disagree with what he said. Um, But if you live in a free speech society, to have all of these guardrails and rules, and if we uh, get to the point of offending someone, then you get canceled. That's not a free free speech society, right? That's I think that's the problem here. But you um, mean debate? Are you talking about being? Debate? Well, I'm talking about speech. When it's, yeah, whether it's on right because he was taken off Twitter, Twitter and all this. Yeah, yeah. I oh, gotcha. Yeah, they try to cancel him. So, but let's talk about banking and the power of banking. I served on the Financial Services Committee for almost ten years, and there was a really important issue that came up oh about eight years ago under the Obama administration that we were like screaming our heads off 
with, but no one really cared about. But we're like, this, this is the path forward where we should all be frightened about the powers of banks and regulators. It, it was something called Operation Choke Point. So I remember you coming home, Sean, when all of this was brewing in Congress, and you were frustrated because you said, this is the most important issue and the media doesn't care. And we're talking conservative all media. media, all media. Nobody cared about this. And you kept saying, this is going to be the beginning of a social credit score system. It's a big, it was a big deal because let's just talk about what it was. So the, the FDIC, um, they insure banks and regulate banks around the country. Um, what they did is they said, listen, there's a, a few businesses that we don't like. We don't like gun stores. We don't like smoke shops where you can go buy cigarettes and cigars. And we don't like payday lending. Now, I don't care if you like those or hate those businesses, but they're legal businesses in America. And so what the FDIC said was, we're going to give extra scrutiny to banks who bank these businesses because there's something called um, a reputational risk, reputational risk. That's right. Your reputation in the bank could be at risk if you bank them and something goes wrong. Well, because of the pressure that the FDIC put on banks, banks across America stopped banking these businesses. And with payday lending... A lot of the businesses went out of business because they couldn't get banked. And so think about this for a second. Because they couldn't get credit. They couldn't. No, not even credit. You can't cash a check. You can't take credit cards. You can't deposit money. If you don't have a bank, you can't do any of the things that make a business run. And so the power of the FDIC under the Obama administration to say, we can actually take legal, lawful businesses out of business by just pressuring banks. And so- I, I thought about that. So they the, tested it there. Well, and, and it was very effective. And yeah. so and then you and I, you, you mentioned the, 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 uh, the Canadian truckers. Canada froze the bank accounts of many of the Canadian uh, truckers, those who supported them and the truckers themselves. So not this wasn't so to be clear. This isn't just the GoFundMe page. Right. You're saying the individual banks. people who mm-hmm. were either truckers or gave money to the truckers saw their bank account frozen. frozen. You couldn't access your money, right? That's right. Um, historic, scary. Um, so that happened. And now we go to Kanye West. And you have the largest bank in America, J.P. Morgan. Uh, Jamie Dimon is the CEO. He's been there for a long time, famous guy. And I'm concerned about this because the question becomes, Kanye has a multi-billion dollar business. business. What is it, easy, easy clothing wear? Yeah, no, I mean, he's a billionaire. I mean, he's got an, a, a multi-billion dollar business. So I think it's $6 billion. So it's a huge account. And J.P. Morgan basically says, we don't like your kind here. We're going to kick you out. We're not going to bank you any longer. Get out by sometime in November, I think November 21st. And I always ask the question, well, why would J.P. Morgan kick out a, a customer that's a billion dollar customer? And I think there's a few reasons why they would do that. One, look at all the little wokesters that have come from University of Chicago, Yale, Harvard, the elite institutions. They've been completely radicalized. You mean that work at J.P. Morgan? Well, they came out of those schools and a lot of them go into finance. Mm-hmm. And they end up at one of the biggest banks in America, one of the best paying banks in America, J.P. Morgan. So you have a whole bunch of woke. So you think that you think there's employee pressure on Jamie Dimon to not being. Um, of course. It, I, I, that's funny because I was assuming this came from the board or some relationship they have politically with, you know, the, you know, the. Obama, I mean, the Biden administration, or they're worried about being asked about it in some hearing in financial services. So, well, well, I think I, who knows if regulators reached out to them and said, oh, this could be a reputational risk for you as well at J.P. Morgan. You want to take them out. You know, you, you don't want to bank them uh, easy any longer. Or you could have had other businesses. I mean, we've seen 
corporate America has become very woke and JP Morgan banks some of the biggest deals in America. Well, if you have woke, woke uh, clients, they might call you up and go, listen, we might move our bank if you don't get rid of this guy. Oh, we, yeah, we might we might go to a different place. It could have been one one of any or combination of those threats, but it made J.P. Morgan move um, Kanye West um, to you say know, you out of the bank and go, and go somewhere else. And I, here's what scares me about this: um, if you can't bank, if you can't cash checks, if you can't get credit cards, if you can't deposit your salary into a bank, you, you basically can't live. Um, it's true. And. Again, today, first of all, can I, can I make a sidetrack here? Yeah, but can I tell you what scares sure. me? My I mean, I just read you what Kanye said. It, I, I, it sounds racist. I don't understand half of it. I don't but either. a lot of liberals think conservatives are racist. A lot of liberals yes. think if you vote, voted for Donald Trump, you're racist. Um, a lot of people think if you're pro-life, you're a danger. Um, thus, we saw the FBI going after pro-lifers. So I'm concerned by... Who's defining what's racist, what's violent, what's and and also, by the way, Sean, many of your former colleagues in the House, um, Elon Omar, um, yeah. Rashida Tlaib, have said anti-Semitic things. And yet they have a bank account. But now Kanye West, West doesn't. So I guess I don't understand the rules of it. And I don't think anyone um, I, I guess I can't imagine that. I mean, this to me, this looks like the beginning of a social credit score system. I, th- I think this you're is right. the Chinese way. If yeah. you don't agree with the uh, with the regime, you can't function in society. So, They'll find ways for you not to be able to function. So think about this for a second. When we look at the war on terror, one of the main tools we had to fight terrorism was finance. We went after the financial network that funded terrorists, That's and right. if they did. Uh, and they banked in America, we would shut down or freeze their accounts. Uh, but if they're overseas, we would put pressure on our overseas partners to freeze those accounts. And we were able to kind of see the web through through finance. But that was focused on terrorism and terrorists. Now, think about this. If you have Joe Biden who says, listen, if you're protesting CRT and transgenderism at a school, at a school board, you're, <laughs> you're a, terrorist. a terrorist. If you're a pro-lifer, you're a terrorist. If you're a uh, if you're a Donald Trump supporter, wow. you're you, you know you're a fascist. All of a sudden, you can see where they might go. Well, hey, this is this is a whole new lane, not just for Al Qaeda, not just for ISIS. This is a whole lane for America that we can use banking to shut people down. And again, you to might make sure you're obedient, to make sure you fall in line. People will comply. That's a, it's scary because when you lose your ability to bank. You'll see people start to comply very quickly, which is what's frightening to me. The power of this tool is real, and we're seeing it being used against Kanye West. Again, I don't have to agree with what he says, but I can say I I believe he has a right to say what he wants. And if he says some crazy things, does that mean he can't get banked in America? I think the answer to that is no, it doesn't. But that's exactly what they're doing to go, you know what? You said the wrong thing, Kanye, and we agree it's the wrong thing. But now you're going to lose all of these privileges and benefits, which is the social credit score. That's the social credit score. You lose all these benefits of a of an upstanding citizen, right? You can't get on social media. You can't bank. Who knows what comes next? Well, but you Sean, can't sell your goods online in certain in certain venues. Well, using the financial world to control you, to make sure you're obedient, to make sure you don't have wrong think. Um, I can't have wrong think. Well. It's interesting because I think about PayPal, what PayPal just tried to do. I think about almost 90,000 new IRS agents. Um, I think about what J.P. Morgan Chase just did. And I think this is a real um, serious threat to American freedom, um, to free speech. 
And I don't care if you're on the left or the right. If you love America, you have to fight against this. And I'll tell you what, I don't know what, how your colleagues um, who I think are going to take the House um, and I think the Senate. I would agree. Frankly, if I think this has to be job number one. I can't think of all the things that this country is facing. I can't think of anything more important than this because nothing affects your ability to survive to in this society yeah. than your ability to make. Well, it goes back to the old principle that free speech is not about just supporting speech that we like. Right. Free speech, the principles are about supporting speech that we don't like. And we can like a lot of things that Kanye has said, like white lives matter, all lives matter. I'm a Christian. I like that. But I can disagree with this part of what he said in this tweet. But if I'm a believer in free speech, that means I have to make sure that he doesn't get deplatformed, that I support his ability to speak his mind, even though I may disagree with it. That is the principle of free speech, supporting speech you adamantly disagree with. Do you remember, Sean, when we were a kid that they would always, you know, when they talked about free speech to us in school, they would say, listen, the KKK can have a parade, right? They can have a parade. But our cops will make sure that they can have that parade. You don't have to agree with the KKK, but the KKK, as much as as detestable as they are, they still have a right to, you know, have. have a I, I don't think that that would happen today. Let me ask you one last question before I move on to um, what may be juicier topics. Juicier topics. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned the young people who may possibly be part of the equation of who is pressuring Jamie Dimon and these banks. Um, to deplatform Kanye West. You know, Jamie Dimon is probably, what, uh, 70 years old, 60-some years old? I mean, this generation of top-level banking CEOs, these powerful titans, are going to be retiring in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And those employees um, that you say were pressuring potentially Jamie Dimon are now going to be entering into those top positions. Do you see this as one, the inevitable future for America, or is there something truly that Congress can do? And what exactly can Congress do? I'm sorry, so I gave you two parts. I, I think you have a generation of leaders that are still coming up from our, the Reagan generation, right? The Cold War generation, the America's Great generation. They would be the next generation of leaders at banks. But after you know those who are 45 to 55, once they're out, I think you our start genera- to see, Once our generation is gone. It's through, right. Then you start to see all these little wokesters that have been indoctrinated in schools come up and it's and it's frightening but even for jamie diamond even though he's in charge you have now you know senior vice presidents that are in their 30s um that have real power and real influence in a bank that can help push and make these uh decisions so again i i think this is going to be the new norm i think it starts to happen very quickly um but kind of so we're giving jamie diamond some some hard times here and i think you know he's the big he he runs the biggest bank and he's a little bit liberal and a little bit woke he's a he's a kind of an old school democrat but there was a hearing that they had in financial services they brought in all the banks and let's play that clip or let's play it ask all of you and go down the list cuz again you all have agreed to doing this please answer with a simple yes or no does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products mr diamond Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sir, you know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. Ms. Frazier, how about you? 
Uh, we will continue to invest in uh, and support clients who are investing in fossil fuels and in, uh, in helping them transition to cleaner energies. And Mr. Uh, Monaghan? We are helping our clients make a transition, and that means we're, we're lending to both oil and gas companies and to new energy companies and helping monitor their course towards the standards you're talking about. So here you have Rashida Tlaib asking all these bankers about their energy policy and will they bank energy and virtually all of them say, no, they're not. She's right. But the only one who had the backbone to stand up and go, no, that's a disaster for America. And he's spot on was Jamie Dimon. So again, as I'm giving him a hard time about easy, I got to give him some credit to go, hey, listen. Uh, these policies are disastrous for America, number one. And by the way, Joe Biden, he's actually come out and said Joe Biden has made huge mistakes in regard to energy. And Ameri you don't American have to be a CEO production. of J.P. No, Morgan to figure that out, but, you know, I'm like, I could figure that out, and I have a, a, an econ degree from ASU. <laughs> no, no, but, but what's interesting is he's the only one who will say it. All these guys are smart. It's true. Uh, but it's none true. of the other bankers okay, what will Congress recognize do, Sean? it. Um, listen, I think so. So Congress has oversight um, over all of the regulators, right? The Financial Services yeah. Committee has oversight. But what's also interesting is these banks aren't like the mom and pop down the street. Every single bank in America is chartered by the government, whether it's a state charter or a federal charter. So you can't exist unless the government basically Char gives you permission to exist. <laughs> yes. So um, who knows what creative things Republicans might do if they were in power to go, listen, if, if you don't want to bank people based on their credit scores and their ability to repay you, but instead you want to use these woke criteria, huh, your charter could be in jeopardy. I mean, that's scary that, you, that, you could be, you, that you're being banked based on politics I know. or not or not banked. Nice bank you have there. Um, be too bad if you lose your charter. I mean, I think, I think uh, that's... Do you, what, see, you say that, Sean, you talk a big game, but I don't believe that your colleagues have the balls to do it. So I would tell you that the, for the listen, that's, that's a big overreach. I'm just, that, that is like going nuclear by doing things like that. But I think but you I do, have to, you have I, to put a stop to I, it. I think they're going to send some shots across the bow, um, whether it's letters, whether it's hearings, um, hearings when we do hearings, hearings. No, I'm sorry. So I, I, get, <laughs> I know she's, she hates the hearings, but here's the deal. Nothing happens with these hearings. CEOs don't want to come and testify in front of Congress. That's true. And if you look at the amount of time that it eats up for a CEO to prepare to come to Congress, it eats up days, if not weeks, of their time, but also of their team's time because they don't want to get embarrassed. So just, I, I, we're, I know we're going to end this topic. But, just, know, but give Sean, me, if, you're, I, if you're willing to debank somebody who has multiple billions of dollars, I know. that means you're pretty ideologically committed to this idea. You, that listen, I don't I, think a hearing were shot across the bow from the GOP, um, who's now heading up Congress to do it. I think they have to threaten, just like when you talked about with hearings on agencies, you always say, you have to threaten with the power of the purse. I'm going to defund your agency if you don't turn over the documents that we need for transparency. And likewise, in this case, if you are going to bank people based on politics, I'm not giving you your charter. Your bank will not be able to exist. So, so first off, let's be clear. Um, Republicans will maybe have the House, maybe have the Senate, but they won't have the White House. Joe Biden, Joe Biden has that for two more years. So they can't do any of this unless they had complete control or they got Democrats to buy in to go and, hey, listen, we shouldn't have. The charter banks. has to be the charter has to be if, if you revoke a charter of a bank, Biden has to sign so, off. Well, on that well, too. well, I think what you're going to see is the Congress has to put pressure on the on the on the regulators um, and those who charter the banks, whether that's the OCC or the FDIC or those banks that were chartered, chartered in certain states. Now you might have, you might have a state bank 
that has a conservative um, legislature that says, listen, we're not going to charge you any longer. Now, that bank will probably go to the OCC um, or the FDIC and try to get a charter there. Mm. Um, so but again, they don't want they don't want this to become political banks don't. They want to actually continue to operate with impunity. They want to continue to, you know, be woke, debank people they don't like or speech that they disagree with and want mm. no one to pay attention. When we start to pay attention, mm. that's when they're concerned. So just I guess with this topic, be concerned. Again, be an, be a huge. warrior for 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 free speech and for everybody being able to access, you know, banking if you have the credit and accessing, you know, public platforms to express your ideas. I think that's a really important takeaway from what's happened to Kanye. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Okay. So okay. now. Okay. Now we're going to move to the juicy part. Rachel I think the creepy part. Sex you know sells. What? Yeah, sex sells. <laughs> this is really creepy sex, though. So Heidi Klum, as you know, is a supermodel. She has a lingerie line called, I think it's Intimissimo. Um, actually, beautiful lingerie, I must say. Beautiful lingerie. And um, she's been selling it for a while, but now she just launched, um, I, I don't know, the new line. And she decided to use her 18-year-old daughter in promoting it. Her, her 18-year-old daughter is as gorgeous as Heidi Klum. Um, but here's what's creepy. The 18-year-old isn't modeling the lingerie herself. The 18-year-old is modeling it in an Instagram shoot with her mom. And they are touching each other. And at one point, they kissed on the lips. Like, listen, I'm Hispanic. We kiss our kids a lot. We're called basicones. We kiss our kids a lot. We kiss them on the lips. We kiss them, kiss them, kiss them. But we're not in lingerie. And it's kissing, it, kissing our kids. It looks very incestuous. It looks very sexual. I think it's my instant reaction was this is creepy. Now, the Daily Mail has a new writer who I think is fantastic. Her name is uh, Maureen Callahan. I, I mentioned it to you, and then the Daily Mail came out with this article, and I, I thought it was great. And she basically talks about, you know, that this was crossing the line, that this was creepy. She agrees. Um, and a lot of people, I think, if you look at the comment section, felt the same way. I, I don't know. How, I, I know you saw the, the thing, too. What, what are your feelings so about it? So, first off, we're talking about it. The Daily Mail wrote an article about it. So Heidi actually got what she wanted out of this shoot with her daughter, right? This is advertisement. This is getting your brand out and your name out. Um, so she's like, I, I, I'm winning, winning. I'm, I'm, I have America talking about this. But America's fo- losing. Families are losing. I, I, That's gross. So I agree with that. And so I, I take a, uh, maybe a different perspective to say, listen, if, if you're a mom. Is that she looks good <laughs> no, listen, no, like, I can't. Like, well, listen, I <laughs> uh, maybe. 
<laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't confirm or deny that. But my point, my point is moms and dads don't encourage their kids to, to dress up and do shoots like this. Now, kids do things that parents don't approve of all the time. Um, I'm not opposed to her being in a lingerie at as an 18 year old. No, I'm, I'm opposed to her doing it with her mom, well, I'm, which I think is gross. But I, th- but I think what you have here is the mom saying you should do a lingerie ad and you should do it for me and my line. And I'm going to make a lot of money off this by sexualizing my own child. And I think again, what she's 18 years old. Um, I don't know that that's the kind of message parents should be sending their kids. Um, you might be going, Hey, listen, go to a great school, get a great education and, and use your mind. Don't use, you know, your body and laundry. So, so I do. Let me, so. let me just make sure. I have no problem with people who want to model. I have no problem with people modeling Underwear. in lingerie if that's what they want to do when they're over 18. Is that what I want my own daughter to do? No, I'm so glad that she's a writer. Um, that said, my problem with it is that they are doing it together. That it is in some weird way um, normalizing in- incest. Um, if you, uh, I, I read an article once that was saying that like, there's like a, uh, in that whole crazy, disgusting porn world that actually exploits women, that there is a market for mother daughter porn crap out there. And I just think this is on the line. I think it's, it, it's titillating in a very negative way for culture. And I think Heidi Klum should be ashamed of herself. Well, and that's I just, just what I think. And I'm not a prude. I am not a prude. I, I, I'm not like that. I, I'm just saying this crossed the line for me. I found it creepy. Well, I just, I don't know that I get, if I saw that picture, I wouldn't know that this is a mother and a daughter. I yeah. just think this is an, it's an older lady and a younger lady in a, in a lingerie shoot. Um, that's She's my, say, an older lady. <laughs> that's all I'm, oh, that's, that's all I'm Let saying. Let me just tell you this. If I can land on a positive note, Heidi Klum looks amazing. And I'll, I'll admit that. I just wish she would look amazing on her own and her daughter could look amazing on her own and they wouldn't do this together because I think it's bad. Right. Now I move to another topic, which got me really excited. So you know I love old movies. You do. I'm a classic film person. I love Marilyn Monroe. I love her movies. Um, and so when the Netflix movie Blonde, starring Ana de Armas, um, a Cuban actress, mm. came out, I knew I wanted to see it. Now, let me just start with, the, so the premise is the story of Marilyn Monroe. Many of us have seen lots of these, you know, documentaries about her, movies depicting her life, which is very tragic, ended tragically um, with, uh, you know, pills and overdose, um, like so many big celebrities do. But I want to first say something about Anna de Armas. She mm. is amazing. This is her second language. So she went to a voice coach. So she has an accent. She's she's a Cuban woman. And she um, went to a voice coach. To me, she sounds like Marilyn Monroe. She sounds American. There's a couple words I heard that maybe where I was like, mm. but I think because I knew she was speaking in another language, I knew. Okay, so first of all, she looks like her. The acting is superb. The voice, I don't know how she did it. I, I it's, it's incredible. But what's fascinating is that they look at Marilyn Monroe's life and so many of the tragedies and so much of her psychological trauma through two things. One, um, that she was um, the, a, a single she, she was raised by a single mom who always felt um, had had her own psychosis and was traumatized by the fact that she was abandoned by Marilyn's father. So that kind of colored her life. And they go into that. And the next thing is that um, it is understood or believed that Marilyn, um, like many other Hollywood 
actresses during that golden period of Hollywood were forced into having abortions because the studio bosses did not want them to have babies because that would ruin, in their mind, their sex appeal. And so apparently she had at least one, possibly two abortions per this film and, um, and subsequent miscarriages, which many people do have following abortions and that this drives it. Now, this director, Sean, gets into it. You see images of the baby in utero. The baby literally says at one point, um, you won't hurt me this time, will you? So the, the fetus is talking. It is the humanization um, the uh, of, of, a, baby of a baby in the womb. Yeah. I have never seen anything like this come out of out of Hollywood. And Planned Parenthood is steaming mad, as you can imagine. Yeah, they're losing their mind. So, But my question is, how does something in this environment get approved from Hollywood? Because like how, do, how do they get through the gatekeepers? Because, right, because there's groupthink. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can only have one political view in Hollywood with a certain set of issues that they all agree on. And if you're not in that lane, yeah. you don't get to work in Hollywood. But here, I mean, this incredibly pro-life um, movie is made. And maybe it wasn't even about I'm trying to make a political statement on life versus, versus abortion. Maybe it was about the research that we've done in the book that this movie was based on actually talks about the impact that the abortions had on Marilyn Monroe's life. And if we want to do an accurate uh, movie about, about her life, we actually have to talk about that really painful part of her life, which was the abortions. And, uh, it, but it's fascinating to, to bring to life the baby in the womb and let the baby in the womb talk to the mom. Um, yeah, it, 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 is, so. it is amazing. The scenes of the abortion, her being forced down at one point. Here's what's interesting. At one point, and I don't want to give too much away because I really think people should watch the movie. I thought it was, if you love old Hollywood, if you love Marilyn Monroe, you absolutely are going to like this movie. Um, at one point when she's going for the abortion, she says, um, I changed my mind. And they, you know, basically hold her down and they do it anyway. Now, recently, um, uh, Congresswoman uh, Corey um, Bush, Bush um, oh. she she writes about in her book that she went to have she's had two abortions. She went to have an abortion when she was a teenager. And when she was laying down there, she said, I, 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 I changed my mind. She wanted she didn't want to do it. And they didn't listen to her. And that happens. And I interviewed Abby Johnson on Fox and Friends, who was a former Planned Parenthood um, uh director, manager of a clinic. And she says, absolutely, um, that these kind of things happen in abortion clinics um, and that many of the girls who come in are exploited in this way, are not listened to. But more importantly, can, can I what that yeah, is? So, sure. Cor- so Corey Bush is a member of the squad. Yeah, I mean, she is. she is a radical leftist pro-abortion, you know, yeah. everything that you think of the furthest like AOC left of the party, the Marxist okay. swing of the party, that's oh, Corey yeah. Bush. And so if she actually wrote about being forced into an abortion, um, one, I, com- I commend her for telling the truth about what happens yeah, to too. young women, um, though she might be on the wrong side of this issue. Good for her for actually saying what happened to her. And I imagine there's a lot of pain that comes in life after, you know, you, you made the split second decision before the abortion to go. I want to I want to keep my baby and they take your baby from you anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting to me about this whole movie, Sean, is that it just the fact that it deals with post-traumatic syndrome that happens from abortion. Um, The abortion lobby never wants to talk about that. The medical community doesn't actually acknowledge that even though they have 
done many studies on post-abortive women and they have much higher rates of alcoholism, depression, drug addiction. Obviously, um, you know, terminating your own child has to have psychological impact, but they can't admit it because to admit it um, is to admit that what you did, what you what you killed was a human being. And so what I loved about this film was that it was fearless in taking it on, um, that it, um, it, it spoke to the humanity of a fetus and it spoke to the humanity of Marilyn Monroe. I mean, throughout this movie, you see her abused, not just through this abortion, but through so many men who, mm. you know, sexualized her, um, saw her only as a plaything, um, and it is just a fascinating look at. You know, we talk so much about the Me Too movement and 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 Harvey Weinstein. Right. I mean, that was th- that was that. You know, yeah. it, it, there's a long, long history of that. I wanted, uh, if I could, pull it up. The director of Blonde, so Planned Parenthood, as you said, Sean, is losing their mind over it. Um, they said. Uh, I want to pull up what Planned Parenthood Federation national director told the Hollywood reporter. They said that this message, the message is touted by the anti-abortion, that this movie touts the messages of anti-abortion zealots as film. Listen to this. As film and TV shapes many people's understanding of sexual and reproductive health. This is Planned Parenthood saying this. It's critical these depictions accurately portray women's real decisions and experiences while abortion is safe essential health care anti-abortion zealots have long contributed to abortion stigma by using medically inaccurate descriptions of fetuses and pregnancies and she continued to say that andrew dominic's new film blonde bolsters their message with a cgi talking fetus depicted to look like a fully formed baby um, this is from Planned Parenthood. This is from Planned Parenthood. We still have much work to do to ensure that everyone who has an abortion can see themselves on screen. It's a shame that the creators of Blonde chose to contribute to anti-abortion decisions instead. So, if there's anything that would tell you to go see this movie, is this <laughs> statement from Planned Parenthood yeah. about how bad it is? Right? If Planned Parenthood says it's bad, it's probably pretty good. Um, well, I want to I want to give everyone a warning. It is a racy film. It is there's a lot of, you know, sex and and it's got some, you know, pretty harsh scenes and not just um the abortion scene which was which was traumatic, but there's there's it's a racy film. Her life was racy. We're so just it trying is to an come back to go see I'm not a prude. See from this last segment. I love <laughs> this. I love this movie. Wait, um, okay, here's, can I say to you what the director sure. the director was asked about it? Um and he says that he doesn't see the film as anti abortion. He was interviewed by the rap about it, um that's a, a website. And he said the movie the movie is say- what the movie is saying is she's not seeing reality. She's seeing her own fears and desires projected onto the world around her. You see it constantly. Um, and she sa- he says, I think this sort of desire to look at blonde through Roe versus Wade lens is everybody else doing the same thing. They've got a certain agenda where they feel like the freedoms of women are being compromised and they look at blonde and they see a demon. But that's not really what it's about. So he's saying, I'm telling the story of this woman. I'm not weighing in on the Roe Roe versus Wade. In fact, the movie was made before, you know, uh, that decision was made. But um, he's getting he's getting called in and people are calling to cancel him.
Well, and I think it's interesting. Again, he's saying, I want to be a, a filmmaker who does an accurate depiction of Marilyn Monroe's life. And this was part of the life. And I'm going to tell that story. But again, you can't tell that story and not go um, to the risk of being canceled, shut out, and shunned. He may not make another movie again in Hollywood because he had what could be perceived as a pro-life set of scenes mm-hmm. in his Marilyn Monroe movie. Where can you get that? Where can people watch this? They can watch lot? it on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. So, so you have to you, have Netflix. You have to pay Netflix. You have to pay, you have to pay the, the salary of the Obamas a, and Meghan Markle and all the people the you hate, but you can watch Blonde. Um, so, so there's that, but I think it's, I, I, I think it's an interesting, um, I think it's an interesting movie. I think it's an interesting um, cultural moment that you have Planned Parenthood, you know, reacting the way they do, they must find it dangerous That's if, right. they, if and, they don't want you to watch it. And what's it. interesting is if the, 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 the left in Hollywood keeps making these movies that we don't want to see, right? Think of Top Gun. Top Gun was a great American movie. And they made a lot of money off that movie. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of viewership Blonde gets on Netflix. And maybe mm. there's a capitalist theme that comes into Hollywood to go, you know what? Enough of my agenda. Let's make movies that, you know, people want to see that are actually wholesome. But you're saying this is not wholesome all the way. But no, it's not that wholesome. <laughs> but make, great movies, make great movies that people want to see. Um, hopefully they go to that place. Well, and hopefully the directors, to... like, feeling like they have to create art through the approved political lens. I mean, just make art, right? And um, so... Kudos to the director. Kudos. Kudos to uh, Anna de Armas, who I think did a phenomenal job um, of this, of portraying Marilyn Monroe. Highly recommend it, but I will give you a warning. It's it's definitely heavy. Okay. Listen, I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, If uh, you like your podcast with the kitchen table and the Duffies, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, We would love that. The highest marks that you can offer us. Um, It's been a great conversation and actually hanging in our actual kitchen together. We we do it all the time. We just never film it. So here we are, and we'll catch you next time um, around the kitchen table. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.